elf. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to another exciting episode of Two Guys What Work in a Cinema. Um, before we start, I just want to, because he gets awful upset, and I did it for Nikita and Jamie, and, and he was like, you know, oh, you better, you better give me a shout out. So I just want to say uh, to Tom and Amy, you won't be listening to this because you're in the Caribbean having a lovely time. But um, we had a lovely time at the wedding, and all the best to you both with your, you know, with your future. And I'll, I'll see you when you move to Edinburgh because you won't be able to get rid of me. I'll be round your house just all the time, just talking about films and stuff like that. So yeah, that wasn't really that didn't come across as heartfelt as I imagined. But I'm sure on the on the day I was just like, oh yeah, another thing. <laughs> no <laughs> wonder they don't listen to the podcast if you pull the ass off of them with films in their real lives. Jesus. I know, I know, but it's like you know that's what people expect. From it's me, like if yeah. you're like a, a famous comedian, people just expect you to go around and just do your catchphrases all the time. <laughs> people just expect me to be sarcastic about films. Just like, oh wait, wait, <laughs> ask him what he thinks about Transformers. <laughs> and then when you're gone, like since he leaves, he thinks he's a fucking famous film critic. He's not. He's <laughs> shut the fuck up. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Happy, happy, happy wedding. Yeah, well, from... I don't know either of you, but I hope you had a good time. Oh, you will one day, Stuart. You will one day. When I'm famous and I have to start doing tours with you, <laughs> you go around their house. Oh, yeah. I've got to come along. Like yeah, Ant when we do Deck. the personal, the personal tours. Yeah, it'll be like the Ant of Deck of amateur film criticism. We forgot to introduce ourselves again, didn't we? Well, we're not started yet. So anyway, welcome to another okay. episode of Two Guys Working in the Cinema. I'm Mark Donaldson. I'm Stuart Flint. And uh, this month, we're going to be talking about uh, 22 Jump Street. Well, did, we as a... Did, did someone just drive past your house loudly in a, on a motorbike? Uh, quite possibly. I can't hear it because I've got the earphones in. Oh, right. I felt like I heard it. Well, okay. <laughs> Sorry, please continue. <laughs> well, okay, I'll, we'll take that again. Uh, so there's no motorbike in the background. Oh, was, I thought it had a bit of action to it. <laughs> Talking about 22 Jump Street. <laughs> keep it all in context. Uh, so yeah, 22 Jump Street uh, and Chef, those are the two films that we as a as a pair will be talking about. Yeah. And then you're going to discuss um, Mick G's seminal film, Three Days to Kill. <laughs> this is his magnum opus. <laughs> And I'll be talking about um, the new horror film with Doctor Who's very own Karen Gillan, uh, Oculus, uh, which I have a funny feeling I'll be a lot more positive in my uh, discussion than you will be in yours. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you state your life on it. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll meet you back here after the theme tune. <laughs> Yeah, Twenty Two Jump Street. Twenty Two Jump Street, the uh, the the sequel to Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah, but more than just a sequel. Well, that's the gag, isn't it? Is that it's not more than just a sequel for for the whole point. It is it's a sequel. Do the same thing yeah. all over again. This time you're going to go into a, a universe. Well, sorry, college um, instead of a high school. And just just do the same thing and catch the drug dealers and everything will be fine. Um, yeah. 
infiltrate the dealership, find a supplier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all over again. But this time it's more expensive. Uh, it's it's more stylish. <laughs> um, it's yeah. So I mean, because it's look, with the first one was very much like a. Um, took the high school genre and subverted it and it was a sort of spoof of action movies in general as well at the same time and i think it took a lot of people by surprise like no one was expecting this sort of um channing tatum jonah hill vehicle that looked like part of the sort of kind of dumb gross out um judd apatow sort of comedies it just looked like it was going to be another one of those and it sort of took everyone by surprise around it was actually really funny really clever and and well written yeah definitely and... I mean it took me by surprise certainly yeah, the first time I watched it because I mean I'd seen Channing Tatum in a terrible fucking film called The Dilemma with uh, mm. Vince Vaughn and Kevin James is that the fat guy from the shit films is that his name I think it might be yeah yeah fat guy from the shit films <laughs> yeah. the king of queens guy isn't yeah. it yeah yeah him yeah uh, and Channing Tatum played the guy that uh, Kevin James's wife was having an affair with, and he was the funniest thing in it. Mm. Um, so, I, and then obviously twenty twenty one Jump Street, and especially in this one, I see in twenty two Jump Street, he just shows that in fucking like times ten. He's it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's a really good uh, spoof of sequels in general. So it's still doing that. It's still doing the action movie, you know parody and all that but yeah. it's it's really clever at identifying all the like really early on the first 15 minutes are just like well <laughs> yeah. you get the the opening action sequence and then the next 15 minutes are just like everything you're going to expect we're taking the piss out of he's walking into his his new office and he's going we, we got loads of money i've spent my budget on these yeah. glass rooms i feel like i'm in a fish tank i might get a buffet down there it's just ridiculous yeah. and it's so self-referential humour well even the action it, re- it revels in it even the action sequences are like quite a good spoof of like action sequels as well it's like everything mm. needs to be bigger and like, there needs to be more explosions and like we'll have them yeah. dangling off a truck at the start and like at the end we'll have them dangling off helicopters and stuff like that and it, it's just more ridiculous this time around yeah definitely it, it, it does something quite interesting with their relationship as well it sort of it starts to become that sort of like they're in a, that a couple yeah. Like you know, yeah. you know. Sometimes you get a sitcom like Friends, where there'll there'll be a gag where Tyler and Joey argue as if they're in a relationship. Yeah. Like women, oh, it's funny. It sort of does that for the whole film. Yes. Like they're they're together, and then them being part of this film is like a romance and a marriage. That yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's like a heterosexual marriage. Yeah, but it's good. Yeah, I just really, really enjoyed it. And I, I have to be honest, like I, I was going in kind of with tempered expectations. I thought I thought the trailer didn't seem as funny as mm. I hoped it would be. It didn't seem like it was going to be as good as the first film. And I didn't see how they could do it again without just being more of the same. But it, like I say, it, it knows what all your expectations are and it very quickly addresses them and then just has fun with it for the next two hours. You're just you know having a great time oh yeah definitely it, it was it was much much better than i feared it would be <laughs> no it definitely is and i mean um the credits as well uh, it's worth saying um sort of just they takes that ages don't they they, they come for ages but they take that sequel gag and just fucking run with it for the rest of the for the for the last sort of five minutes worth of credits and yeah. it's so funny it's like a yeah. lot of people are saying it's like one of the funniest bits in the film, which I kind of agree with, and that's not necessarily a criticism at all, because mm. um, it is a very funny film. Um, 
but yeah, it's good. I, I can't really think of anything else to say, really, in yeah, sort of I, a deep I'd and meaningful sort of, sort of a way. It's just... It was a while ago we watched it, wasn't it? It was like a month ago, yeah. but... Um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Go watch it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's... without getting without getting into spoilers and just going over all the all the jokes. Yeah, in there, but there's you know there's, there's not much point in doing that. No, because I mean that that would ruin the film. And and we uh, the last thing we want to do with this is is ruin the films for people. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there must be something to must be. <laughs> else to say about it. I, Ice Cube is good in it as well, actually. Yeah, he gets a lot more to do this time, right? Doesn't he? Yeah, he's got a lot more screen time and a lot more um, jokes and stuff, and does it really well. Like I think he had a couple of the funniest scenes in the whole film, like when, uh, when it's revealed Jonah Hill's been sleeping with his daughter well, there you go. and Channing Tatum's reaction. <laughs> yes, yeah. He just absolutely cracks up. But the bit and, in the, uh, re- the, one of the the bit where he's trashing the restaurant as well. Is yeah, that hilarious. was the other bit that everyone in the theater was was laughing quite a lot at that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he's suffered enough. Uh, it's great. It's great. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, uh, <laughs> I don't have anything else to say. God, we better not put this one on YouTube. People go, they're shit. <laughs> not subscribing to this. Uh, yeah, for those of you who don't understand what that means, uh, we're going to have a YouTube channel soon um, where we're going to have. Um, our best bit, so this won't be won't be on there. But um... <laughs> we're just warming up. This is yeah, the first yeah. review of the the afternoon. Yeah, we're not drunk either. So no, I'm drinking fizzy water for God's sake. But the thing is, it is good and it's funny, and that's what you want from a comedy. And it does enough to subvert. Well, you know, it's quite subversive, and it's kind of stuff with the sequels and stuff like that, and it's self aware. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's good. But it's clever. Like it takes the piss out of the fact that it's doing more of the same. Yes, but definitely. it is giving you more of the same, which is what people wanted. Uh, but just it, it does it in a funny, clever way. Like if you're going in expecting you want, you know, a film that's as funny and as action packed as Twenty One Jump Street, and and has enough sort of um, subversion in it to make it, you know, clever yeah. and witty. It's got all of that. It's got all the action, all the jokes, and and all the the cleverness of the first film. So yeah, it it does it ticks all the boxes. Yeah, comedy of the year. Um, probably, possibly. I can't think of any other comedies that are. I've certainly not laughed. I don't think I've laughed that much as I did during Twenty Two Jump Street so far this year. I th- I don't think I'd laugh like not that since Lego Movie. Oh yeah, that's a point. Lego Movie was, re- and it was the same directors as well. So there we go. Was it really? Yeah. Uh, Chris Lord oh, and Phil Miller. Oh, you didn't know that. So, yeah. Well, there you go. They're the ones to watch, I think, you know. Um, yeah, I think keep my eye on them. I'm sure Marvel will snap them up for something, no doubt. If <laughs> <laughs> we do Captain America 3. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good fit. I always, like, because there was a, a lot of talk when Edgar Wright left Ant-Man. It's like, oh, give it to give it to Chris Lord and Phil Miller. And I think, I don't know who we've got now. It's a guy I've never really heard of, but... Um, there's a whole thing I want to talk about directors getting given projects and why. That's a whole separate feature. Alright. Interesting. Interesting. Does this lead us neatly into McG's Three Days to Kill? Yeah, talk, talking about directors woefully in, incompetent, which we weren't which really we weren't about, because we were just... talking about the guys that directed the Lego movie in 22 Jump Street. So. Yeah, but then given, given, given them 
<laughs> well, not incompetent, but just director's not appropriate for right. Okay. films. I don't know. There's no way of transitioning into Three Days to Kill. It's it's that bad. It's Well, hang on. I've got one. Okay, Go on. so whereas 22 Jump Street um, self uh, sort of knowingly uh, sends up action films and parodies action films, uh, perhaps does, does McGee's uh, action film... Not really, just is it become just a self parody? I haven't given it that much critical thought. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any intention behind anything in it, right? I d- I d- it's just like if you gave a monkey a paintbrush, you would just splat <laughs> paint on a canvas. That's three days to kill. They've given a monkey a camera and a pen, and someone's written a script and filmed something and called it an action film. Um, What's it about, Stuart? Three days to kill. Does he have three days to kill somebody? Sort of. Oh, I can't remember what's... It's about an old man, Kevin Costner, who works for the CIA. He's a really good CIA hitman. And he's dying and he's given an experimental drug that keeps him alive. And he's and he's got three days to kill someone. I don't know why exactly he's got three days to kill. I think the it's sort of a play on words. Is that he's got you know you say oh I've got three days to kill in Paris because uh, I'm with my family. Uh, it's like clever. His wife has gone away. His or his ex wife has gone away, and he's left with his daughter for three days. So he's got three days to kill, but he's also got to kill someone in three days. It's very clever. <laughs> That's the cleverest thing about the film. That fucking title, and that is not saying much at all. Where to start? Where to start with it? It's, it's part of this fucking sort of partly blame the born identity. Not that it's its fault, but it was it was set in Europe and it was all action packed around Europe. Yeah. Um, but it was Taken was the real the real offender. It's got every, every because of Taken now every fucking action film that comes out has to have an old man, and it's set in Europe, preferably Paris, running around blowing things up in Europe. So you had what was it from Paris with Love? Yeah. Um, um, and I'm sure there's been others. My mind's just gone blank. Old old men in Europe. <laughs> or maybe not just old men, but every action film seems to be set in Europe now. You had that one, that awful one that had Henry Cavill. Cavill oh, yeah, Cold Light of Day. Cold, Cold Light of Day, set in Europe. Um, everything's just set in Europe. I can't be bothered to prove it. <laughs> just I'm telling you, it's out there. Do your research. <laughs> I haven't got examples of fans. But, um, yeah. yeah, so it starts out with a really just sort of really underwhelming a- action sequence at the, at the start, you get the credits, you're like, oh, was that, was that it? And, like, the opening shot is this, because not, like, this isn't, like, nothing makes any sense in it at all. There's no reason for anything. starts out with, like, this woman, I think her name's Amber Heard, is that a person? Yes, it is, yeah. yeah. Is, is she in it? Yes. Yeah. And she start, it starts out in, like, these CIA offices. She's all buttoned up in, like, a, you know, normal office suit, and she looks very serious and professional, and they hit this, these two CIA blokes hand her an assignment, so you have these you need to kill these people and there's a mission going on and it's like she's going to be overseeing the operation, right? Uh-huh. And then, after that sequence, every time you see her, for no reason at all, <laughs> she's wearing ridiculous wigs, loads of makeup, like bright red lipstick, she's all sexed up, she's wearing like leather corsets and she hangs around in sex clubs where the people are stripping. She looks like this vixen dominatrix thing for no reason. She just looks like that for the rest of the film. She can't have, you know... Just a professional-looking CIA woman. She's got to be like sexy and wear. Yeah, you're boots. not allowed. To, you're not allowed to have professional-looking women in uh, in sort of Western films. It's just just looks it frightens like, the goes, horses. Yeah, it goes around spending the film dressed like Catwoman and doesn't really do much as well. It's just 
and 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 the, and the film is just full of things like that that just don't make any sense and you're just watching it going why is this there's these weird subplots in it none of which i can actually work out what the the narratively what the purpose of it is like they it's a bit of um like they add a bit of like frothy padding to the film uh-huh. but none of it's like actually needs to be there you've got it, when he goes to paris there's a family squatting in his home and he can't throw them out. And it's like a like an Af- an African sort of family, right? Obviously, they're all French though, and they all and they're squatters, squatters' rights over winter in Paris. So he can't throw them out. So he's just got to live with them. And he's like, "Don't go in my room because there's guns in there. Don't go in there. That's the rule." And then he ends up sort of taking like when he takes victims back to his apartment to torture. You know, lets the kids sort of watch them outside the the bathroom door. And no one's like the family. They see that he's got all these guns and he threatens them with a gun, and they're happy to stay there. Fucking move out. They'd be gone. He's like, "No, you can stay." And they're like, "Oh, okay then." They'd be gone. They'd all be packed up and left the minute he came back. In his first trip that out, because the, the fucking mad old man had a gun, and, and there's a pregnant one there. That's why they're staying, like, because one of them, is, the girls, is pregnant. Right. Right. So you have got this weird subplot with the, the with the, the squatting family. You've got um, this thing about the bike. He's he's the whole film trying to get his daughter to ride this bike and follows her around everywhere she goes. He meets her with this fucking bike. <laughs> And it's right, and every time he goes, oh, I bought my bike, and you'll get a shot of the bike, and the bell will ring every time you see the bike. The bell rings. No one's ringing it; it just rings. <laughs> you just hear it. It's fucking mental. And the worst one is it's symbolism shit. Oh, near the end of the film, he sort of, or later on in the film, he teaches her how to ride a bike. She doesn't know how to ride a bike, Spoiler and it's this bonding right. moment. But that doesn't—you don't need to have you know half an hour's worth of footage of him following her around with this bike bringing her bike every time he goes to meet her oh, I bought that bike and she's like stop bringing the bike <laughs> and then the other thing is that he's ill and he's taking this experimental drug and it makes him all fucked up and she's like oh I'll drink vodka to sort of take the edge off so he has to keep drinking vodka and he does that for like you know like the first half of the movie he'll sort of take some vodka every now and then but then he stops doing it so it's just sort of what, what was, why did that need to be in there what on earth was the point of having that little just piece of information introduced and then just forgotten about? And yeah, it's just, it's all over the place. There's nothing redeeming about it. The acting's appalling, the script is terrible. Tonally, it's all over the place. Like, you, you didn't like This Means War, which was the other Mick G No, I did film, not. No. His last film. You put it in your top five worst. So I did? Because, you, you know, you were unhappy with, like, it's this frivolous sort of comedy about trying to get like CIA agents competing over the affections of a woman and then they have a fight and someone throws a knife at the other one's neck and almost kills him yeah. you know it was just that this is like 10 times as bad it's like I've said it's, you've got little kids um, look make babysitting torture victims that he's been kidnapping and bringing back to his house he's he's about to talk to someone he's fucking duct taping him up and hanging him to the shower rail they're all don't say anything my daughter's on the phone <laughs> what's that you need a recipe for spaghetti sauce i just happen to have an italian guy here right now. and it's just all this comedy bollocks about like uh the pressures of being a father to a stroppy teenage girl and oh, what am I supposed to do my daughter's doing this and they're sort of sharing father moments and, and then he sticks um, electricity things to his nipples and electrocutes him to torture him or he's stuffing him into the back of a car and it's and and all the whole time, like he's, he he keeps kidnapping and torturing this one guy so many times <laughs> that the other guy ends up just willingly getting into the boot of the car. It just becomes so comic, 
and stupid, but then a load of people will be executed and, sh- and shot in a violent action sequence. <laughs> it's like really, really all over the place tonally. Um, but that's the thing. It's not like that can be done in a film like True Lies was like an action film and then it stopped sort of, you know, the whole second act and became like a comedy about trying to get with his wife. It's yeah. like he had, he had a double life. So the, 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 his private life with his wife and his that action the action side is sort of kept separate until the end where they combine and then there's some humour there. This doesn't do that. It's not like he leads a double life. He's like, he's on the phone to his daughter while he's torturing people and he's killing people in nightclubs that he's gone to visit his daughter. He's gone to find his daughter in. and He shoots a bouncer in the foot with a silenced pistol to get into the club. In front of loads of people. Loads of people. And then just walks into the club and then... And then Beats the shit out of a bunch of kids in the toilet because they're coming onto his daughter. It's just oh, absurd. Jesus. You know, like smashing heads into to mirrors. You're like teenagers, probably. <laughs> so, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. He's putting 19 year old boys in intensive care. Kevin Costner just know. walks into a nightclub toilet and smashes some teenagers' heads through mirrors. Yeah, like a massive nightclub full of. He's looking for his daughter because he knows his daughter's gone to this club. And he's like, oh, she shouldn't be there. She lied to me. She said she was going to study around her friend's house. So he goes into this nightclub full of thousands of people and this girl's been taken in there by a few boys and they're all sort of they're gonna it's suggested they're gonna rape her um which is always you know appropriate for a 12a film right and she's going stop it stop it and then dad just happens to find her in the toilets because you know it's the first place you look and then one lad who's like on guard by the door's like oh you can't come in so he fucking smashes his face into a wall um (laughs) and then he and he really fucks up all these kids and then carries his daughter out right (laughs) And then she starts slagging him off and having a go at him, saying he's so embarrassing. That's the other thing. The daughter, his daughter, is oh, such a cunt. Oh, God. Hang on, hang on. No, hang on. Before you even go into that. So <laughs> she's she's almost been raped by these teenagers, and then she's embarrassed by the fact that her dad beat yeah. them all up. Yeah, she'll have a go. She, she's always calling him by his first name. She doesn't call him... Uh, dad, she she'll do she'll call him by his first name Kevin. the whole way through the film. Even when he does like really nice things where they have nice moments together, she'll still just start calling him by his first name. Like such a fucking little brat. She's so unlikable. She's such a little cunt. Um, they really they really fucking. It's always a problem when you have like kids in films and they're not particularly likable. Like, but they've they've gone above and beyond in making this teenage girl just <laughs> absolutely deplorable. Um, yeah, and <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. Really, it's just it's just full of it's so much emphasis on this fact, like him um, trying to reconnect with his daughter and get. But you hate his daughter, and he's a boy, and he's you just got no real personality to him either, yeah. and you just don't care. And it gets to the end where like he's so know how to ride a, but she's like, I don't know how to ride a bike. So this heartfelt moment where they learn to ride a bike, and then he goes off and kills a couple of people, and then when he comes back. You know, his daughter's going to a prom the next day and she's sitting on the couch and she's like, I don't know how to dance. And I sunk in my chair. I was like, don't teach you how to dance. I don't want to watch them dance. And they dance and you have to sit and watch them fucking dance. And that's the other thing. It never ends as well. Every time you think there's (laughs) the end sequence, isn't it? Because, you know, he's on this experimental drug and he keeps passing out. Every time he comes face to face with the, the main villain, the bad guy, he starts going, oh. Oh, and he's, the vision goes blurry and he can't hold his gun and he collapses and then the bad guy just watches him collapse and then runs away. It's every time he comes face to face with the baddie, the, the 
the period of time that he last had a top up of drugs just happens to <laughs> coincide God. with the fact that he's met the bad guy and he's like, oh, I'm all groggy, I can't shoot, I can't aim. Uh, passes out, the bad guy gets away. Oh, it's fucking annoying. <laughs> it, it does it about five times in the film, I think. But by the end, I was just like, this is ridiculous. I wanted to walk out. I really just wanted to walk out. It was trying my patience, that film. It's so bad. McGee, I don't know how the man is being given films to make. He hasn't done a film that's got good reviews. Every film he's done, it's got bad reviews. They haven't all particularly done that well, I don't think. I think he's had a couple of sort of... Uh, yeah, I don't think anything sort of like set the box office away. Maybe Terminator, no. but I don't even know if that did. Might have, Yeah, probably did do well, but I don't think it's, it was like a... It's, you know, not anything like, you know, the Marvel films that really yeah. set the box office alight, don't they? they? They just keep making money and making money. When a film is... When you do a big Hollywood film and it gets really good reviews, I think it makes a difference because more people will make, go and see it maybe more than once and it, word will spread because, you know, even today I think word of mouth plays an important role in the box office because if you people go and tell everyone that a film is shit, they're less inclined to go and spend £10 at the theatre to watch it. Well, you say that, but Mrs. Brown's Boys is just uh, number one yeah, but that's in the just UK cunts box office. watching that anyway. It's just a load of old cunts watching it. Fucking... But yeah, uh, it's awful. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Talk about <laughs> talk about Oculus. Oh, all right then. Uh, <laughs> still processing three days to kill. Um, or is it three days to kill? I, I, I wasn't quite sure. Uh, if it comes on Netflix, Mark, just watch it. I will, I will. If you want to make yourself really cross for an evening, just watch it. It'll be fun. All right. Okay. I'll keep it in mind. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, so Oculus. Did, did Alvin review it? Did Alvin review uh, it? I don't think he did, no. I don't think he's uh, seen it. Not even Alvin watched it, Stuart. That's... For, for any new listeners, Alvin is someone that we used to work at the cinema with and uh, he has an eccentric view on films, let's put it that way. Yeah, as, unique. Uh, a unique. Yeah, you um, definitely a unique perspective on, on what films are good and what like parameters need to be met to make those films good and he does these brilliant little one sentence reviews on Twitter. Um, yeah. We always like to bring up his his Twitter reviews. So he's not he's not done one for three days to kill but I mean I, there's a thing you can say about Alvin is that um you know because I think the key to being a, a good film critic um this is this is bordering on on praise for Alvin. Uh, the key to being a good film critic is to you know to see everything to build up a you know a frame of reference, you know, uh, that you can call back to in your reviews and show that, you know, you know what you're talking about. You can put a film in the context of, of you know, cinema history, you know, when, yeah. when you when you talk about it. Um, so, you know, Alvin will go and see anything, you know. He didn't go and see Three Days to Kill, so that says a lot about that film. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he, he'll go and see anything. But, um, so, Oculus then... Uh, I'll let Alvin describe it first of all, and then I'll I'll, I'll pick up the I'll pick okay. up the ball and I'll I'll run with it. Uh, Alvin uh, gave it a seven out of ten, uh, and he called it a seven out of ten past present flashbacks via a possessed mirror play mind games horror movie. <laughs> um, sounds complicated. Don't know it if I does sound it. complicated, but you know what? It's not actually as complicated as that sounds. <laughs> So basically, um, the plot is, uh, I can't remember the exact period of time, but I think it's sort of 15 years ago, um, this brother and sister, their parents were 
their father killed their mother, and then the the brother killed the father to protect him and his sister. Um, and so he went into psychiatric care. She, you know, lived lived apart and sort of grew up and has got, has got a job with an auction house. Um, so the film starts in the present day. Uh, he's just about to be released and she's um, just on her way to sort of pick him up from this psychiatric uh, care home where he's spent sort of the last sort of 10, 15 years of his life. Um, yeah. And she, through her work at the auction house, has got has obtained this mirror that um, was in their house when they were children and that she believes was the cause of all the the bad stuff that happened to them as children. Um, so she says, I've got this mirror, um, we've got it for a night, we're going to prove once and for all that it was the mirror that, that killed mum and dad and, you know, not you. Uh, and oh, I saw a trailer for this and completely forgot I'd seen it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, always, sounds familiar. So they get to the house. She's you know set up all these cameras uh, to monitor the the mirror. Uh, she has a a weird kind of pit in the pendulum style device that's going to drop down and smash the mirror if they don't reset the time. Uh, and they sort of settle in for the night. So um, what I really like about Oculus is that it's not you know how most. Um, Mainstream. Does it take ages? Does it take ages to get into? Because it took like ten minutes to say. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is more complicated than uh, I gave out the credit <laughs> yeah. for. Um, no, I mean it, it doesn't really. I mean it sort of takes sort of five ten minutes. It's just, it's about an hour. It's about an hour and forty altogether. So I mean it doesn't take long. Right. Um, and throughout the course of the film, it's sort of flashing back to their childhood and what was going on then. Okay. Um, so so you've kind of got these sort of two timelines sort of going on um but what i like about it is that you know how most modern horror films nowadays it's kind of like this actually before i do this if you are driving a car do please pull over because i don't want to be responsible for any accidents so (laughs) modern horror films nowadays are kind of like this like that (laughs) so it's very quiet (laughs) And then it's a loud noise. Oh, I get you. Right? And then it's kind of just like, oh, oh, a cat walked in unexpectedly. Oh, that's okay. Oh, okay. Let's just have a little bit more silence. And then bang! Again. Oh, it's the paranormal activity thing, exactly. though, isn't it? It's, it's... it's that, kind of, that kind of horror. And it's I've always kind of just found that. I remember going to see Women in Black. And they were just, oh, so scary, so scary. Oh. It's cheap thrills. And you know, mm. I, you know, there's a place for that. There's absolutely a place for that in 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 horror films. You know, this kind of, you know, you go there to be, you know, jolted and and frightened over the course of the hour and a half, the hour and forty minutes, whatever. But what I what I really like about horror films is like imagery that stays with you, Ima- like images that sort of freak you out, and that's still at the back of your head, like you know, days later. That's to me, anyway, that's yeah. proper horror. It's something that that sticks with you, you know, because of some sort of visceral reaction to, you know, something that you've seen on on screen. And Oculus kind of manages to do both, um, because it does build tension. There is kind of shock jolts when the because the mirror kind of projects images um, throughout the course of the the thing. So you know, you've got the standard kind of she's in a room on her own. She turns around, she turns back, somebody's standing directly in front of her and sort of reaches out to strangle her. That, you know, that kind of tried and tested horror trope. 
But on the other side, um, there's some really kind of nice, nasty, really nasty kind of images. Um, not to spoil it, but there's one scene <clears throat> involving Karen Gillan and a light bulb, um, which is is horrible. <laughs> but in that kind of that kind of Sam Raimi yeah. kind of way, that it's kind of it's a little bit entertaining at the same time. It's like a good a good nasty. It doesn't yeah. feel in that kind of cynical way in the Saw films do you know. Um, so it's not go now. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not that. It's um, so I mean, it's very enjoyable, very um, sort of creepy. It's got great atmosphere to it, both in the in the sort of past tense and in the the present tense. Um, and it sort of builds the suspense and builds the suspense until the the climax is you know any good um, kind of sort of cycle because yeah. it is quite a psychological horror film. It's all about. Um, did you really see what you thought you saw and all and all that kind of thing? It sort of plays, as Alvin says, <laughs> it's a mirror playing mind tricks, you know. Um, mm. So, yeah, very enjoyable film. Uh, what I would say, though, is that modern horror audiences <laughs> don't know how to watch horror films. Yeah. So, like, I was went to see the I went to see Oculus on a Friday night, which was my first mistake, obviously. Oh. Um, you think you think this guy talking is a rookie doing that? He's worked in a cinema. You should know better than to. I know, but it was the only time I could I could fit it in. So, um, <laughs> I went along. It's like a twelve A, isn't it? I bet it's full of teenagers. No, it's fifteen. It's fifteen. Is it? Yeah. Oh, all right then. It's full of teenagers. <laughs> still full of teenagers. To bring their ID out that day. Um. So. Sitting watching it, there was a two grown adults behind me, two fucking women sitting behind me, just chattering all the way through it. So you know that any sort of attempt to build like a silence <laughs> or a sort of atmosphere is kind of destroyed by this kind of. Yeah, she was in Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, and no, it's not really been that good since Russell T Davies and David Tennant left, has it? No. So that's all going on behind me. So what, these two women behind you were talking about Doctor Who and you were cross, you would have been asking you there asking them for their fucking phone numbers. No, mate, if anybody says, oh, it's not been as good since David Tennant left there, I don't ever want to speak to them ever again. Because <laughs> um, they're not true fans. Um, but anyways, not content. Mark doesn't just want to find a girl that's into Doctor Who. <laughs> he wants to find one that's got the same opinion. It's got all the exact same views on Doctor that, Who. That God, it's it's the whole needle thing. in a haystack. <laughs> anyway, um, so that, that's going on behind me, and then to the right of me. At any point at which they've shut up and are watching the film, and there's not much dialogue on screen, I've got like a group of teenagers just like giggling away, and that's I. I hope that that was just you know like that out of that kind of fear mm. thing that sometimes, you know. As a reaction, you'll just start laughing because I remember yeah. going to see Drag Me to Hell, and I had a similar kind of reaction. I, you know, but that is quite a funny film. Um, so yeah, it was kind of. I found it quite hard to concentrate at certain times because of all this fucking noise behind me. Um, and what is that? Why is that now that that horror films attract that kind of? Maybe they always have. I don't know. I but they probably always have. Yeah. But people just talk and laugh to sort of, I don't know, they're scared, so they make a joke about it and sort of take the really? edge. I was yeah. like, you go there to be scared. Why would you want to fucking actively ruin 
the atmosphere by talking and joking. I don't know. I don't understand. Yeah, it. I mean, it's like, right, you're right. I mean, you, you go there to be scared. You go there to um, experience something. And I think, you know, fine, laugh and joke if you're facing certain death. <laughs> but when it's only a movie, just sit back and enjoy that kind of sense of being scared and being, you know, frightened. But anyway, that's a that's a side yeah. note. Um, Oculus is very good. Um, quite refreshing from a, a mainstream horror film to not resort to the quiet, quiet bang, I think, as it's now known. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, maybe alone in a darkened room where you've not got anybody chattering <laughs> behind you. On Netflix. <laughs> yes. Um, Other streaming services are available. <laughs> yeah. So I hear. <laughs> um, so yeah should we uh, on, a, on a lighter note Chef Chef the 1990s Lenny Henry, Henry sitcom uh, no no it's not that one no definitely not that what the hell did I watch <laughs> Chef is uh, John, John Favreau's latest he's written it directed it produced it acting in it um, he's a jack of all trades. Mm, he is. Is he a master um, of none? Well, let's let's find out. <laughs> so yeah, chef chef is about a professional chef who's head of a kitchen, uh, and he's sort of having a bit of an argument with the owner because he doesn't want to serve the food he's been serving for five years, and he thinks they're in a bit of a creative rut. Uh, and he gets a bad review from a very prominent online blogger as a bit of a very public uh, spat with this blogger over Twitter and social networking. <laughs> this is all stuff that's in the trailer, and yeah. he ends up going off, uh, set, starting up a food truck and goes touring around the States with his son. And yeah. it's just a real feel-good film, is what everyone's saying, I think, and it's pretty pretty accurate. It is a, a yeah. really just nice feel-good film. I mean, uh, a lot's been written about how this is kind of a metaphor for Favreau's career at the moment. Yeah, I heard that, but I don't really know much about his career. Well, because obviously he directed Iron Man, he directed Iron Man 2, he kind of fell out with uh, Marvel Studios over the sort of production of Iron Man 2, ended up leaving... And this I think is he still produ- produced all of them, though. He's produced I think Iron he Man still retained a producer credit and stuff like that, but he uh. didn't have... I think it was one of those kind of... Yeah, you can have the producer credit... Because you be contracted you, but if you you know, but I don't know the exact ins and outs of it. Okay. Um, so this is kind of you know that's the big restaurant that he works at. Yeah. And he leaves and he does chef, which is I suppose his food truck. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, but that's nice though because I I mean I didn't I didn't realise there were those. So, I mean I got the impression it's obviously something because he wrote it is obviously going to be personal to him in some way. But yeah, if it's actually all about his career, it. it it comes through in the film because it's you can tell it's got heart, it's got real heart to it. Yeah, it's not some. Um, and I think people could be quite cynical about it because it's. Um, I don't know lot. if you can though, because I mean, I there's something I, I've still not quite put my finger on it. I think maybe it's just because the plot's just a little bit too predictable and it's all kind of just like ties yeah. up too neatly that I like normally I jump on a film and rip its fucking throat out for that, <laughs> but. It's so good natured and it's so likable that like you don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah. You kind of just like no. Do you know what? It's it's a really sweet, good natured film. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I mean. I think if you are quite cynical, you could be like, and yeah, spoil, spoilers for the film. Um, at the end, the blogger that he had a massive falling out with loves his food and invests in his a restaurant, and he gets this perfect restaurant, and then he's back together with his ex-wife, and it's all yeah. Um, has a nice happy ending, ties up all those sort of unpleasant ends. And if you were really cynical, you'd be like, oh, that's all, that's all bullshit. And uh, I, but I think if you actually, you know, you don't take it literally, uh, like take it at face value. If you actually think about what it's saying, it's about, and it's something that I came through to me quite strongly, spoke to me quite strongly. It's about someone he's doing ostensibly. He's got the job he's always wanted, but he's not happy because he's not fulfilled. So he goes off and does something. He takes a risk. And he's doing something that he's not making that much money from, but it just makes him happy. Yeah. And by becoming happy with what he's doing and finding that fulfilment, he becomes a better father and he becomes a bit... Because it, it suggested quite early on that the reason he split up with his ex-wife is because he wasn't happy. And uh, so she's sort of said, uh, she's said for years that he should do a food truck. And when he finally gets around to doing it, you know, he becomes happy and he becomes a better husband. He gets yeah. back together with that wife. So if you see it, you know, in that, in that sense, but him him getting married with his ex or whatever is his kind of that's the film that chef like he's happy so he's making a good film again because he's actually because he's got that fulfilment he's he's making him better all round at what he does. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean I think that's a good point. Is that it's not about him getting, but the, the film isn't about him getting back with his wife. It's about him getting mm. to a a stage of his life where he's happy with himself and with yeah. his career and, and, and all that kind of thing and then that is kind of an after like the whole getting back with his wife and, and stuff like that kind of comes more as an afterthought yeah it's suggesting that you know these these are the kind of things that because it's something I've said I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on the podcast I'm sure you've heard me say it like I, I do feel like for me probably not for everyone but for me personally I feel like you, you have to be happy with yourself and what you're doing uh, before you can really be happy with another person. Yeah, no, I um, think that's, that's fair. Because for me, you know, if I'm miserable, I'm, I'm going to end up making the other person miserable. You take it out, <laughs> take things out on it. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, that's, for me, I guess, what the film's about. Because he's not, he's not a great dad. He sort of neglects his kid a little bit emotionally. And, and it's about him becoming a really good father. And he becomes, obviously, ends up with his wife again. So it's just, yeah, to me, it's not... Because when I watched it, you know, so when it when it first ended, it was like, oh, it, it had to, you know, have a real a bit sort of cliched happy ending. But then afterwards, I just thought, no, no, it's not really about that. Yeah. Because it's like you say, it's just put in at the end. It's not the focus, but it, it's it's about that message that it's given off about do something that makes you happy. And that's something as someone that's just quit their job and trying to do something that they want to do, even though there's no money in it at the moment. And I'm actually sort of taking a risk and trying to. Yeah get started on a career watching that film was like such a good pick-me-up it like it made me feel really positive and give me like a, a like pat on the back and it's like you're doing the right thing it was like really like reaffirming and i really enjoyed it, it spoke to me quite strongly actually i couldn't have watched it at a better time <laughs> yeah no I, I i can absolutely understand how, how you can get that from it i mean i you know we've we've both done the same job um mm. we've and i kind of just went fuck being a cinema manager I'm off you know yeah um so yeah yeah it's nice to, to I mean fair enough like let's be honest with ourselves here it's you know it's uh Scarlett Johansson and Sophia what's her name Vergara yeah uh let's be, me and you my friends as happy as we'll be in our lives <laughs> yeah I, I, I real like I'm not saying like art imitates life because you know <laughs> like this. 
our, 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 our um, sandwich van is not making any money at all. <laughs> no, it's not. It's really not. Um, but yeah, it's it's like you say. There are those things that you could be cynical about, yeah, but it, you you don't feel the need to be. Well, like because the, it is the, the such sort of a social networking film. aspect of it as well. Like his son uses Twitter and Vine and all this to to yeah, promote the I, food truck, and you could be really cynical about that and go, "Oh yeah, product placement, blah blah blah." But yeah, it doesn't. Definitely. It really doesn't feel like that at all. It's just. And I wouldn't be surprised if like they they it is so. Um, Twitter is a very, very important yeah. part of the film, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did um, contribute financially to it. But it's, you know, it's again, you don't really care. It's not, even though it's everything about it has the potential to be really obnoxious, yeah. it's not. It's actually because that whole, the whole thing about Twitter and that the shared experience of social networking that he says that he, you know, he touches people's lives. He brings joy to people with what he does and, and Twitter and, you know, taking photos and sharing those events. It all just ties into that sort of that love of food and what food is about. Well, exactly. I mean, let's be honest. Like, come on, you know, taking photos of your food for fuck's sake. That's, that's, just, yeah. that's the thing though. But he's, it's not that he's like, um, cause it's a food truck. So he'll pull up in a very public place and everyone will just gather around and then he, he's, he's selling in outside clubs and outside, you know, like gigs where there's music playing yeah. and he'll sit and have a, a beer and watch the band afterwards. It's all very much about a, a community and a shared yeah. social thing. And that's, and that's what his food is about. So the whole Twitter aspects, not like this really obnoxious um, product placement, um, trying to get us all to tweet everything we do. It, although, <laughs> That is what it's doing. If, you know, that is the role to Twitter. If you're really, it's like you weren't cynical about Lego Movie, even though the whole film is a bit of product placement. Yeah, it's still got heart, and it and it, it it's actually taps into what the the positive aspects of what Twitter. It's almost are. as if you could say, Stuart, that food is the oldest social network of all. <laughs> it, it is almost like you could say that, but we won't say that because it's pretty corny. <laughs> But it's almost exactly what the film's trying to say. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and it's and it's full of some good-looking food. It oh, really, yeah. it does, it does make your mouth water. See that bit where he's making the toasted cheese sandwich? I was like, oh. Oh. I was like, wow, well, I can do that. Yeah, I could, I could go and buy four different types of cheese and spend ages making it. And buttering the, the, the backs of it. Yeah, oh. why don't I butter my bread on the outside of it? Yeah, it's it's really good. There's lots of just really nice touches and things in it that's the things that you're pleasantly surprised about the fact that it's got a, a child acting in it who's very likable yeah. he's a good little actor and he's not annoying and you actually you like him and you feel for him as well because he obviously really looks up to his dad and tell that his dad's a bit distant and not always there for him and you and you you empathize with him um it's nice to see a divorced couple in a film that aren't at each other's throats and like have loads of yeah. animosity. They get on really well, which is really nice. Robert Downey Jr. as well is pretty funny in it. Yeah, like it's good to see that because they've clearly got like a really good chemistry with each other. Like uh, Downey Jr. and Favreau, obviously haven't mm. worked on three films together. And yeah, he's really, funny. he is really funny. <laughs> yeah, and it's got it's a really competently made film as well. Like it's really nicely paced. All the characters are, you know likeable uh, and relatable um it's well acted it's well scripted it's it's cleverly built i like how um for the first 20 minutes or so of the film where he's you know he, you know he's head of this restaurant and they're talking about the food yeah. but you never actually really see him cook and you never see the food that the restaurant is supposed to be serving and it's not until the important scene where 
this food critic has come back for you know like a meal yeah. and John Favreau's been sacked and he's back at home and he's making all the food he wants to make yeah. and at the same time this is the first time you really see him cooking and then you're at the same time you're seeing the food that he didn't want to make and that's been served to the critic and it's a really nice contrast because it, it it's showing you visually not just through words and that, but it shows you visually the uh, the disparity between the food that he was making at the restaurant and the food that he really wants to make and the love and passion that's going into it and um it's just things like that that's a really clever way of and all the all the shots of like just the things like the grilled cheese sandwich, just that love and attention that goes into not just him making it, but how it's filmed. Yeah. The love and attention and care that goes into showing you the making of that grilled cheese sandwich. It all just gets across that just love of food. It's brilliant. It's just really clever, really competently made film, and I loved it. Yeah, I I, I really enjoyed it as well. It's um really nice way to spend like what two hours yeah. yeah i think i think it definitely creep its way into my top 10 of the year there'd have to be interesting there'd have to be some killer films out the rest of the year for me to not squeeze that in somewhere well will there be more killer films you'll need to join us uh month on month for more uh you guys yeah. like the cinema but um one of the other big releases uh this month which neither of us have actually seen but thankfully alvin has seen it so we're going to leave the the last words before we do our sort of, you know our general housekeeping and goodbyes. Uh, yeah. We're going to leave our our last last word on on one of the big films of the month uh, to Mister Alvin Simmons, uh, and it's The Fault in Our Stars, uh, a seven out of ten lovers with cancer movie. There <laughs> <laughs> uh, are people going out to what's that? Um... What's the fault in the stars about? Oh, it's a, it's a lovers with cancer movie. Oh, one of those. Yeah, yeah. So we've seen a few of those, haven't we? Yeah, we'll go watch that. In his defence, I think there is a few. Isn't it love story with them? <laughs> it's it's Alvin's uncanny ability to just turn every film into its own genre. Whatever happens in that film, that's a genre. Yeah. What's the one? Was the one about? Like a based on a true story or something, and he and he made it out like it was a genre of. Oh, I can't remember. There was the one where he went. Um, I sort of saw Sunshine on Leith, a six out of ten proclaimers proclaimers musical or something. I was like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah oh. there's loads of those. <laughs> is, would you say Sunshine on Leith is better than the other proclaimers <laughs> musicals, or just on par, or not as good? <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. The guy deserves to just be the biggest thing on Twitter. Yeah, in my opinion. yeah. And God help me, if I can put him on his way, then I will. Not not for his other outputtings, just for his movie just for reviews. His film reviews yeah. I mean, you have to <laughs> you have to put up with a lot of fucking rain before you get to see the rainbow. When you follow <laughs> Alvin on Twitter, on my way to Ashford, ten minutes later in Ashford, just fucking gibberish. He just posts the most inane ramblings. But yeah, follow him on Twitter uh, at Alvin Lee Simmons. Yeah. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Why not? And then not? and then through us, you'll find Alvin. That's that's easier. Uh, I'm Old Man Crondas with a K. I'm at Thin Reaper. And uh, we've also kind of got a, a general Twitter as well, which we should probably use more, which is at Two Guys Cinema. Um, and yeah, like us on Facebook as well. That's still a yeah. thing, you know. Still a thing that exists. <laughs> yeah. We... Uh, so like us on Facebook, Two Guys What Work in the Cinema. And uh, thanks for listening, as always. Yeah. Um, we'll see you next month. See ya.